skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. You ready? I'm ready for what? Are you ready for some football on this Monday night party? I don't watch sports. Sports! None of that relates to spunk, though. You yeah, know what spunk that's, is. That's British for jizz. That's jizz, yeah? Yeah. And I have a wanker. Wait, no, that doesn't even make any right. fucking sense. <laughs> you, having a, you having a bloody wank? You having a little bit of the tug? <laughs> you giving yourself a tug, mate? She nobbled on your gob. Nobbled on the gob. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> that's how tonight begins. Yeah, nobbled on gobs. Wait, what? I don't roll that way. Browns McBoohoo is in here. Browns McBoohoo. Browns McBoohoo, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that little noise. Okay, so uh, this is this is lots of pasta. and uh, We don't I, have pasta yet. I, I oh, showed yeah, you a, the pasta. Well, you're talking, like, I thought, like, a bowl of cooked pasta would be like finished pasta. Yeah. Presented pasta presented pasta next episode you just gotta like eat pasta while reading stories yeah <laughs> you that, gotta fully immerse it. yourself <laughs> it's like eating pasta that's what i sound like eating pasta and talking i guess mm-hmm. yeah like a weird like the vacuum voice. cleaner like the vacuum cleaner from brave little toaster all right so this, is, so this is so this is lots of pasta and uh i need to I I have a guest here with me, and he loves to change his name. So I'm really wondering what what you got for me today. My name's Rick. <laughs> Just Rick. <laughs> today I'm here with Rick. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pretty cool dude. I'm an uncle. I uh, get a little grabby sometimes. Great. <laughs> I'm a grabby kind of uncle. Every es- essentially every uncle in existence. Yeah, essentially. For some reason. It's All right. <laughs> so I'm here. So I- I'm your host, Captain Death, here with Rick. Yeah, Rick. <laughs> All right. So I'm here with Rick. Uh, this is Lots of Pasta. This is the podcast where we Wait, read. Uh, I want to change my name. All right. Yeah, you should be uh, Terry Tickler. Yeah, Terry the Tickler was the name before uh, he changed from Jack Reach Around to Rick. To Rick. So now it's a. Uh, Terry Rickler. <laughs> Terry the Rickler? Or Terry just the Terry? Rickler. <laughs> Terry Rickler. Terry um. Rickler. Alright, so Terry Rickler. Alright. So this is Lots of Pasta where we read uh, creepypastas. And uh, yeah, I mean, on our on our first episode we read a lot of really good uh, creepypastas and we ended it with uh, a healthy dose of uh, troll pasta. Mm-hmm. We had the uh, we had a very famous story that you read. You ended the last episode that you were on with. Yeah. What was the uh, What was that troll pasta called? Who was phone? Who was phone? Who was phone? Did we ever find out? No. Yeah, because who was? Who was on phone? Who was phone? Who was my phone? <laughs> who was my phone? <laughs> who is phone? <laughs> Preface for lots of pasta. Grab yourself an apple. Oh. And, he- and here's <laughs> and stop. Just only eat fruit. Because that's that's a great choice to live. Yeah, you'll you know you'll live just as long as Steve Jobs. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Get get uh huh. Uh-huh. Get some nice '80s jeans and pull them up. 
pull them up above your uh-huh. belly button. Mom jeans. Mom <laughs> jeans are perfect That's for what it. Steve Jobs wore so, in his in his grave. Black turtlenecks. And uh, you know, just get really angry a lot of times. Have Ashton Kutcher play you in a movie. Uh, and Michael Fassbender. And then Michael Fassbender. But I didn't see James McAvoy tickling his anus at all in that movie. It was it was weird. It was weird seeing James McAvoy not tickling Michael Fassbender's anus in any movie. He showed up in Assassin's Creed for a little bit and tickled Michael Fassbender's anus for a little bit. Neither have I. I just, I just, I just. <laughs> said by the time this episode airs, it will have been out and gotten terrible reviews. So maybe it won't. It already has. No. Good luck breaking that video game adaptation spell. Yeah. Okay, so like I was saying, this is lots of pasta, and this is a lot better uh, to listen to if you are not sober. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what to do right now. You're gonna grab yourself the closest apple. You're gonna pull out that stem and you're gonna drill in about two inches and then you're gonna take uh the same implement device that you use to drill that hole and you're gonna put another hole on the other side to funnel through and you're gonna use that stem pit as your bowl and you're gonna smoke out of that fucking apple and uh you're gonna get nice and toasty you're gonna turn off all these lights you're gonna lay down yeah man you're just gonna take off all your fucking clothes Take off all your fucking clothes and just uh, lube yourself up and get ready for these pastas. Um, are we just gonna hop? Do you want to? Do you want to start? You can begin. Do you want to play the? Do you want to play the numbers game, or are we just gonna go with some? Let's go. We got this up in front of us. Um, I'm gonna start this episode, which is usually different because I usually tell my guests to start, but I'll just roll right into this one. <clears throat> this is a really good story. This is one of the most popular ones I found on Creepypasta. Um, this one's called Doors. I was adopted. I never knew my real mother. Rather, I knew her at one time, but I left her side when I was a little. I was too little to be able to remember. I loved my adopted family, though. They were so kind to me. I ate well. I lived in a warm and comfortable house, and I got to stay up pretty late. Let me tell you about my family real fast. First, there's my mother. I never called her mom or anything like that. I just called her by her first name, Janice. She didn't mind at all, though. I called her that for so long, I don't even think she noticed. Anyhow, she was a very kind woman. I think that she is the one who recommended my adoption in the first place. Sometimes I would lay my head against her in front of the television, and she would just tickle my back with her nails. She's one of those Hollywood mothers. Second, there's my dad. His real name was Richard. Dick! Oh, Rick. Rick. Rick Dick. But he never really liked me much, so I began to refer to him as Dad in a desperate attempt to gain his affection. It didn't work. I think no matter what I called him, he would never love me as much as his own child. That's understandable, so I really didn't press the matter. The most notable attribute of Dad was his unmoving sternness. He was not afraid to pop his children when they did something wrong. Just pop them. They, they would explode. No. Yeah. I found that out before I could use the restrooms properly. He didn't hesitate to spank me. Well, I'm in line, and it's because of his methods. Yeah. Yeah, little spanking, little spanking. Lastly is my sister. Little Emily was really young when I was adopted, so we were about the same age, but she was slightly older. I'd like to think of her as my little sister, though. We got along better than any sibling could possibly get along. We would always stay up late together and just talk. 
Well, she did a lot of the talking. I mostly just listened because I loved her. It was a great setup that we had. We were short on bedrooms, so because I didn't want to sleep in the living room by myself when I was littler, I had a pallet set up for me next to her next to her bed on the floor. This is where I have slept since, but it was cool with me because I enjoyed being with her and I had always felt pretty protected of my little sis. Slept on the floor. Everything changed on a horrible Wednesday night. I was at home taking a nap when little Emily opened the front door. The sound of the door opening pulled me to a state of consciousness and I walked from the room down to the hallway to the living room. That's when I first remembered it was Wednesday. I was never any good at keeping track of what day it was. Actually, I'll just go ahead and say it. My sense of time was horrible, but nevertheless, I knew it was Wednesday because Emily had just come home from her church youth group gathering. She walked in the front door and hugged me and then was followed in by my dad and Janice. You have a good nap, Janice said teasingly as she ruffled up my hair. I just shook my head away and snorted in a manner that clearly expressed that I was teasing back with her. Yeah, that's the noise I make. <laughs> Don't you snort at your mother like that, said my father gruffly with his authority. He shut the door behind him and hung up his coat. I was clearly joking. I growled under my breath. He must not have heard me because I didn't feel him smack me. Emily then proceeded to our room and I followed. She started telling me about her day, you know, usual teenage girl stuff. Like tampons and boys. But I listened so that she would feel better. After her summary, she suggested watching TV, and I obliged and jumped onto the couch as she was going for the remote. She rolled her eyes at my little brother like immaturity and scooted me over and sat down. The TV turned on, and we watched it together until the sun went down. Emily was the kind of girl that, instead of watching cartoons and soap operas, would rather watch Discovery and Animal Planet and National Geographic. I liked those too, so I didn't mind. Actually, those were the only channels that can hold my attention. So it got late and Janice walked up behind the sofa. Emily, it's past your bedtime. Turn off the television and go to your room. You too, she pointed at me. Emily turned off the program we were watching grudgingly and stood up. She started down the hallway to our room. As I followed, I couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't right. We went into our room and Emily turned off the light just as she did. I caught a flash of movement out of the corner of my eye. It was out the window, but as soon as I redirected my line of sight to where the window was no longer in my peripheral vision... What it was that I thought I saw was gone. I still remained alert, for my sister's sake. I laid there in the darkness with nothing but the thin ray of light from the street lamp outside to illuminate the room. It wasn't much. Time and time again, I would have sworn that I heard subtle sounds just out the window. A twig break, leaves crunching, clothes jostling, and all the while I could smell a faint stench of sweat and blood. I kept my eyes open most of the night. The sounds outside subsided and the smell left my nose. I began to feel at ease. My eyelids closed. Not long after that, I heard a very loud crash on the other side of the house. I was up in an instant. There's someone in the house! I barked with extreme adrenaline coursing through me. Wake up! I shrilly pleaded with Emily. She did, and as soon as I saw her sit up, I ran to my parents' room. Dad was dead. His neck was splayed open and gaping as blood spilled out of it off the bed and onto the floor. I saw that the master bedroom's door was closed and just before it on the outside was a man. A man I don't feel comfortable calling it that. He was very large and rugged. He turned around and saw me and that's when I saw him accurately for the first time. I won't forget it. His eyes were large and beady and trapped with lust. He was styling a beard that was badly unkempt with blood dripping off. His clothes were dirty and his face was cold. Just then I noticed the same horrid smell of sweat and blood from earlier, but this time it was overwhelming. 
You saw me. He saw me and grinned with a set of crooked yellow teeth. That smile threw me off. I thought that I was going to die, but then he turned back to the bedroom door completely unperturbed by my presence. I was terrified and didn't know what to do. <laughs> no is spelled N-O. <laughs> I just yelled out and cried. I watched as he shouldered through the door. That was my mom's only protection. I watched as he raised the large razor that he was carrying, but had obviously neglected to use properly. I watched as he sliced her open and tore her to shreds. Wait, what? He neglected to use properly? Like? Yeah, because he wasn't... He has a beard. Oh, okay. He wasn't practicing oh. proper shaving oh. etiquette. You're right. I then heard something. The last thing I, that I wanted to hear. It was Emily's scream coming from behind me. The large monstrosity looked up from my butchered mother and stared at my little sister. I was distraught. He stood up and quickly started walking towards us. My sis turned and ran and I was at a loss when he bypassed me and went straight after her. Why was she still in the house? Had she not assessed the situation and ran? Apparently not. And now she was dead. And I was alone. I ran after them both. I expected the man to kill her as he had the rest of my family, but I was sadly mistaken. He grabbed her by the arm and jerked her as a way to make clear that he was in control. He dragged her through the house. I was making all of the noise I could now, hoping and praying that someone would come to my aid. He mustn't take her, not her. As he passed me, I backed against the wall and whimpered with terror. Why? He didn't respond except by putting his free hand on my head while Emily screamed in the other and saying, Good boy. He gave another crooked grin and a very cold, unnatural laugh. I followed him to the door. I followed him to the door where he dragged my helpless sister after him. He opened it, pulled her out, and slammed it shut behind him. I am now sitting in the house with my mutilated adopted parents, shivering and whimpering with dismay. He's out there with her, doing who knows what to her and I can't do anything. I would if I could, but I can't. I would chase after them in a heartbeat, but I can't. I sit here, looking at the front door. I look down at my paws. If only I could open doors. <laughs> See, I, 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 knew the, I knew the twist to this one, and I was trying to preserve it for you. That was fun. Yeah, it was, it was a dog. Curious. Oh, pallet now. Okay. Yeah. I was curious why, like, you know, he didn't fuck her yet. Yeah. Like... Because the first thing a dude with a beard would do is fuck a little girl. No, uh, no, he said she was teenage. Like, I was talking to boy. <laughs> oh, so that was doors. I was never good at opening doors. Oh, because oh. of my paws. I get no. It makes sense. It does. It's cute. Cute story. It's a cute story. Yeah, it's, it's cute. a cute story about a dog whose parents are brutally murdered and sister stolen. Yeah, it's cute. Oh, it's <laughs> the first word that I think of. Yeah, the good boy line makes sense now because it's kind of confused the whole time because I'm just like, why does this guy not give a shit about the dog? I mean, about the boy. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, he's a dog. Oh, he could be a cat. And I think it's implied that so you don't you don't say goodbye to a cat. You might. <laughs> you might be sitting there like, oh, meow, meow. And he's like, oh, good boy. <laughs> good boy. All right. Hey. Dropped <laughs> Oh, never again. Never again? <laughs> never again? No, that's the title of the story. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, never again. 
I was 17 when she came. On my face. Oh, got him. <laughs> I like that I have the app, but I'm just not making the effort. All right. So I was 17 when she came. I've been living with my abusive mother for 17 long, painful years. It was around midnight, and my mother was already asleep. So when the three soft raps... We suck at this. But uh, at the front door came, it was me who answered. An odd-looking little girl stood there with cheeks pale and colorless. Blonde hair and braided pigtails. Pink dress torn a little at the hem. Feet bare and turning slightly blue from the cold of the winter. Oh, and black eyes. Fathomless, deep black eyes. I quickly let her in, thinking of how horribly underdressed she was. Those shoes did not go with that dress. Yeah, didn't match that top at all. It wasn't until later I'd wonder why she'd not been shivering or even question as to why she was here in the first place. I got her in the living room, wrapping her little form in thick afghan my grandmother knitted. She held it, though it didn't seem to affect her, and I smiled. What's your name, sweetie? A long silence passed, and when she stared at me, I was beginning to be discomforted by her black gaze when she parted her lips and spoke in a soft voice. Give me God damn it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> No, say that again. Lacey Borgen. No, <laughs> regular voice. Dick Cheney. God damn it. <laughs> I nodded, smiling again. You can stay here tonight, Lacey. I said, motioning to the couch. She curled up in a little ball, black eyes still on me, and I exited the room. That night, I slept soundly, not worrying about my mother beating me or the strange little girl on my couch. There's two things you never have to worry wow, about. Wow, holy shit. When morning came and I trudged in the kitchen, I was greeted with a coffee mug to the shoulder. I gave a feeble shout of pain, staring at my mother. What the hell did you do? Why is there dirt on the couch? She shouted. Confusing me greatly, upon investigating, I found that Lacey had vanished. The only proof she had been there being some dirt that must have fallen off her dress or feet. I took responsibility, earning myself a strong hit to my cheek, then left for school. While there, I heard something that sent chills through my spine. I passed the day waiting for any more news on the subject, but found none. Upon arriving home, the news was broadcasting a live report on her, though. Lacey Morgan, six years of age, was reported dead at seven last night. Her body was located in the backyard, buried there in her pink dress. So far, there has been no sign of her mother, Marissa Morgan, who is expected to be the killer. Marissa has reportedly abused Lacey multiple times and may be responsible for her death. Suddenly, a picture of Lacey appeared on the screen. She appeared very close to how she had when I met her. Blonde hair and braids, pink dress, pale face, only her cheeks had color and her eyes were baby blue. To most, this would seem unimportant, but to me, it was. She died before arriving at my house. It was the newscaster said was true. Died hours before. I tried to play it off, going about my business. I went to bed early so as not to have to see my mother. It was around midnight when I woke to cool fingers stroking the bruise on my cheek. I sighed, leaning to a small hand. Never again. <laughs> Lacey, you know, Lacey has to be related to, like, uh, the same vacuum cleaner from Brave Little Toaster. Maybe the Babadook, even? Babadook! <laughs> yeah, she's the, Yeah, so La Lacey... Yeah, Lacey's related to the Babadook. Oh, fuck that movie. <laughs> Never again. Lacey whispered before I had vanished. Not ten minutes later, I heard my mother screaming. I rushed into her bedroom, nearly fainted at what I saw. 
My mom was thrashing wildly on her bed, a small creature having buried its face into her chest. I could hear the sound of flesh tearing, and my mother's screaming increased in volume. I wish I hadn't gotten up. Later on, I'd tell myself I hadn't, but I had. So when Lacey pulled back from the gaping hole in my mother's chest cavity, I had a plain view of her razor-sharp teeth glinting in the light. Glinting with my mother's blood, she smiled innocently at me for a moment before swiftly tearing out my mother's jugular. That time I didn't faint. When I came to, I was in my bed. I walked to my mom's room, morbid curiosity, getting the best of me. Upon opening the door, I found the room empty. The bed was made neatly as if my mom had left for work early. The only oddities were the dirty child's footprints and the open window, showing that Lacey had in fact visited. I never saw my mother again, and I never missed her either. I eventually got married and we had a child together. I named her Lacey. Recently, I noticed the neighbor's daughter has all sorts of scrapes and bruises on her arms. We started watching their home, and the other day I saw something odd. A little girl running barefoot through their backyard up to their back door. It was around midnight, so I couldn't be for sure, but I thought she met my eyes with her black ones. And I could swear she mouthed two words at me. Never again! Actually, or, like that. Let's end it in a better tone. And I could swear she mouthed two words at me. Hey! Forget about it! <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's definitely a better ending. You're able to take some creative liberty here. Lacey was definitely a 40-year-old New Yorker. Running hey! You want a pizza? I'm walking here! Watch out! Hey! Fucking barefoot! Never again! Never again! Never again! That's my, like, try it to that voice by New Yorker. <laughs> I Lacey one was nice just because of the ending. Yeah, I liked I liked that one. I uh, liked that they never again. Never the title as the ending. That was actually well thought out. I I enjoy the line of abuse we've fallen into. Yeah, no, like I'm almost curious if this one's gonna have abuse in it now. If we do this one. So uh, this next story, uh, it, it has a very interesting name. I feel like this must have been uh, Franz McBoohoo's name in uh, when he when he. He used to live at the brothel. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of like the idea of, you know, when people joke around with women, they're like, oh, it's like throwing a hot dog down a hallway. Mm-hmm. Well, that's his mouth. Yeah, this story's called Mr. Widemouth. <laughs> oh, he's going to kill us. Yeah, maybe, in our sleep. Oh, this is Mr. Widemouth. I found this on Creepypasta. During my childhood, my family was like a drop of water in a vast river. Never... Stop, stop. (laughs) Alrighty. Right there. (laughs) Too many metaphors. Wow. (laughs) Holy hell. Are you telling me that Mr. Widemouth doesn't have a wide mouth? If we're starting off with these metaphors, (laughs) then then Mr. Widemouth is going to have like a really tiny mouth. (laughs) What, What if he's lacy? Never again. Never again. During my childhood, my family was like a drop of water in a vast river, never remaining in one location for too long. We settled in Rhode Island when I was eight, and there we remained until I went to college in Colorado Springs. Most of my memories are rooted in Rhode Island, but there are fragments in the attic of my brain which belong to those various homes we had lived in when I was much younger. Most of these memories are unclear and pointless, chasing after another boy in the backyard of a house in North Carolina, trying to build a raft to float on the creek behind the apartment we rented in Pennsylvania. Shout out! Oh! And so on. 
But there is one set of memories which remains as clear as glass, as though they were just made yesterday. I often wonder whether these memories are simply lucid dreams produced by long sickness I experienced that spring, but in my heart, I know they are real. We were living in a house just outside the bustling metropolis of New Vineyard, Maine, population 643. It was, it, was lar- large, <laughs> it was a large structure. <laughs> Come on, we got next. No! <laughs> it was a large structure, especially. <laughs> it was large structure, especially for a family of three. There were a number of rooms that I didn't see in the five months we resided there. In some ways, it was a waste of space, but it was the only house on the market at the time, at least within an hour's commute to my father's place of work. The day after my fifth birthday, attended by my parents alone, I came down with a fever. The doctors... (laughs) I came down with a fever. Down with the sickness. The doctor said I had mononucleosis. <laughs> yeah, so they did come down with the sickness. Which meant no rough play and more fever for at least another three weeks. It was horrible timing to be bedridden. We were in the process of packing our things to move to Pennsylvania, and most of the things were already packed away in boxes, leaving my room barren. My mother brought me ginger ale and books several times a day, and these served to function of being my primary form of entertainment for the next few weeks. Boredom always loomed just around the corner, waiting to rear its ugly head and compound my misery. I don't exactly recall how I met Mr. Widemouth. I think it was about a week after I was diagnosed with mono. My first memory of the small creature was asking him if he had a name. He told me to call him Mr. Widemouth, because his mouth was large. You don't say. In fact, everything about him was large in comparison to his body. His head, his eyes, his crooked ears. But his mouth was by far the largest. (laughs) Yeah, his cock! It was huge! It was bigger than his mouth. He could put it in his mouth, it was that big. Whoa! His mouth was so wide, it fit his entire cock and balls. Wow, that guy is like every teenage boy's fantasy for some reason. Frowns McBoohoo's every fantasy for some reason. I don't know. People are into trying to suck themselves off. I don't understand it. I don't want to do it. It's weird. Yeah, I haven't tried it. Like, what's your position on the whole controversy? Is it masturbation or is it like. I suck your dick! Okay, cool. <laughs> Alright, before we continue with this, I want to get the fact though. The boy's like five. I don't remember shit when I was five. And like. Yes, yeah, How's he like this, like, well read of a person? As I sat there reading my Edgar Allan Poe books and the theory, the super theory of everything, I began to question. I turned six next year. <laughs> It's very accurate. I read a there was a there was a story in the most recent uh, Christmas special that we did, where it was about a four year old retelling their entire Christmas, and I was just like, I don't remember shit when I was four. You look kind of like a Furby, I said as he flipped through one of my books. Mr. Widemouth stopped and gave me a puzzled look. Furby? No, no, not Lacey Morgan's voice. <laughs> All right. Come up with something. Uh-huh. Come up with something weird. All right. Maybe. Maybe. Something intelligible. <laughs> something you can. Something you could understand All through right. this microphone. Right, here we go. <clears throat> Furby. What's a Furby? He asked. I shrugged. You know, the toy, the little robot with the big ears. You can pet and feed them almost like a real pet. Okay. Once again, five-year-old boy. He'd probably be like, Oh my God! It's the cutest fucking thing in the world. Oh, I love Furbies. 
They're fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, they're nightmare inducing, but they would just like you make little fart noises and be like, Oh, Tulu! You ever like do that thing that people would say they're like, yo, I smashed my Furby against the wall and start cursing at me. I'm just like Oh yeah, the haunted Furby thing. How does that work? I would love to find a creepypasta about a haunted Furby. Oh, oh probably at one point. Mr. Widemouth resumed his activity. You don't need one of those. There aren't they aren't the same as having a real friend. I remember Mr. Widemouth disappearing every time my mother stopped by to check in on me. Lay under your bed, he later explained. I don't want your parents to see me because I'm afraid they won't let us play anymore. Mr. Widemouth I'm is. Called for a second, nightmare before Christmas. I am the one who lives under your bed. Teeth round, shopping, eyes glowing red. There we go, see? You remember the lines, I didn't. We didn't do much during those first few days. Mr. Widemouth just looked at my books, fascinated by the stories and pictures they contained. The third or fourth morning after I met him, he greeted me with a large smile on his face. I have a new game we can play, he said. Be out the way until your mother... (laughs) (laughs) Continue reading like Ian McKellen. (laughs) I I wanted him to, like, take a Jamaican class. (laughs) No! Mr. Widemouth is clearly Ian McKellen. Hey, bud. (laughs) Cool runnings. Uh, Hey, Sanka. You dead? (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Don't break your eggs. Don't break my lucky egg, man. (laughs) Oh, okay. We have to wait until your mother comes to check on you. Because she can't see us play. It's, It's a secret game. After my who's m- in my butthole? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not Mr. Widemouth. <laughs> Wait, no, it's who's in my mouth. <laughs> who's, in, who's in my mouth? You are. <laughs> After my mother delivered more books and soda at the usual time, Mr. Widemouth slipped out from under the bed and tugged my hand. We have to go to the room at the end of this hallway, he said. I objected at first as my parents had forbidden me to leave my bed without their permission, but Mr. Widemouth persisted until I gave in. The room in question had no furniture or wallpaper. Its only distinguishing feature was a window opposite the doorway. Mr. Widemouth darted across the room and gave the window a firm push, flinging it open. He then beckoned me to look out at the ground below. We were on the second story of the house, but it was on a hill, and from this angle, the drop was farther than two stories due to the incline. I like to play pretend up here. Mr. Widemouth explained. I pretend that there is a big soft trampoline below this window, and I jump. If you pretend hard enough, you bounce back up like a feather. I want you to try. I was a five-year-old with a fever, so only a hint of skepticism darted through my thoughts as I looked down and considered the possibility. It's a long drop, I said. But that's all part of fun. It would be fun if it was only a short drop. If it were that way, you might as well just bounce on a real trampoline. I toyed with the idea, picturing myself falling through the thin air, only to bounce back to the window on something unseen by human eyes. But the realist in me prevailed. Maybe some other time, I said. I don't know if I have enough imagination. I could get hurt. Mr. Widemouth's face contorted into a snarl, but only for a moment. Anger gave way to disappointment. If you say so, he said. He spent the rest of the day under my bed, quiet as a mouse. The following morning, Mr. Widemouth arrived, holding a small box. 
I want to teach you how to twerk. I mean juggle, <laughs> he said. Here are some things you can use to practice before I give you lessons. I looked in the box. It was full of knives. My parents will kill me, I shouted, horrified that Mr. Widemouth had brought knives into my room. Objects that my parents would never allow me to touch. I'll be spanked and grounded for a year. Mr. Widemouth frowned. It's fun to juggle with these. I want you to try it. I pushed the box away. I can't. I'll get in trouble. Knives aren't safe to just throw in the air. Mr. Widemouth's frown deepened into a scowl. He took the box of knives and slid under my bed, remaining there for the rest of the day. I began to wonder how often he was under me. I started having trouble sleeping after that. Mr. Widemouth often woke me up at night, saying he put a real trampoline under the window, a big one, one that I couldn't see in the dark. I always declined and tried to go back to sleep, but Mr. Widemouth persisted. Sometimes he stayed by my side until early in the morning, encouraging me to jump. He wasn't so fun to play with anymore. My mother came to me one morning and told me I had her permission to walk around outside. She thought the fresh air would be good for me, especially after being confined to my room for so long. Ecstatic, I put on my sneakers and trotted out the back porch, yearning for the feeling of sun on my face. Mr. Widemouth was waiting for me. I have something I want you to see, he said. I must have given him a weird look because he then said, It's safe, I promise. I followed him to the beginning of a deer trail which ran through the woods behind the house. This is an important path, he explained. I've had a lot of friends about your age. When they were ready, I took them down this path to a special place. You aren't ready yet, but one day, I hope to take you there. I returned to the house, wondering what kind of place lay behind the trail. Two weeks after I met Mr. Widemouth, the last load of our things had been packed into a moving truck. I would be in the cab of that truck, sitting next to my father for the long drive to Pennsylvania. I considered telling Mr. Widemouth that I would be leaving, but even at five years old, I was beginning to suspect that perhaps the creature's intentions were not to my benefit, despite what he said otherwise. For this reason, I decided to keep my departure a secret. My father and I were in a truck at 4 a.m. He was hoping to make it to Pennsylvania by lunchtime tomorrow with the help of an endless supply of coffee and a six-pack of energy drinks. He seemed more like a man who was about to run a marathon rather than one who was about to spend two days sitting still. Early enough for you? he asked. I nodded and placed my head against the window, hoping for some sleep before the sun came up. I felt my father's hand on my shoulder. This is the last move, son, I promise. I know it's hard for you, as sick as you've been. Once daddy gets promoted, we can settle down and you can make friends. I opened my eyes as we backed out of the driveway. I saw Mr. Widemouth's silhouette in my bedroom window. He stood motionless until the truck was about to turn onto the main road. He gave a pitiful little wave goodbye, steak knife in hand. I didn't wait back. Years later, I returned to New Vineyard. The piece of land our house stood upon was empty except for the foundation, as the house burned down a few years after my family left. Out of curiosity, I followed the deer trail that Mr. Widemouth had shown me. Part of me expected him to jump out from behind a tree and scare the living bejesus out of me, but I felt that Mr. Widemouth was gone, somehow tied to the house that no longer existed. The trail ended at the New Vineyard Memorial Cemetery. I noticed that many of the tombstones belong to children. Oh, I'm Mr. Whitemouse. You left me 
me high and you made me Mr. Wide South <laughs> to hell. Oh well, I'll be seeing you again. <laughs> I like your little, your little <laughs> solo there. Fills me with deep regret. <laughs> So I actually, I enjoyed that, but I expected it to be a little bit more sinister. Yeah. You know, with a name like Mr. Widemouth, I was hoping he would like swallow kids whole or something. Uh, I thought something was going to happen to the parents. Like it's going to kind of be like, uh, what's it called? Doors, essentially. Yeah. You know, this is one of the first creepypastas we've read that actually has like a relatively okay ending. If there was any twist I was expecting, I was, I was you know, I was envisioning that Mr. Widemouth was kind of this kid's, like, uh, you know, adolescent beginning of what would have es- essentially been his, uh, like, mental issues in, like, a couple years. Like, I expected it to almost be, like, his uh, curious suicidal tendencies of, like, a, of, his, of his teenagehood, I mean, but it kind of just skipped right over that. First story, uh, Doors, was pretty much, uh, you know, My Life as a Dog. My Life as a Dog, yeah, uh, by, told know. by Pixar. Pixar. Uh, the second one was Batman. Yeah. In all honesty, yeah, but never, ba- never again. Yeah, no, really. In all honesty, Lacey was just Batman. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> that third one that was uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Essentially, yeah. So is it is it time? Oh yeah, it's time. With this last with these last couple minutes, we're gonna do some troll pasta because I know that we always yeah. we like to indulge these last couple stories. Because they are oftentimes really ridiculous and enjoyable ways to end the episodes. I know. I'm saving the video game ones though, so I will let you start with this with this short troll pasta. Teacher, teacher, it was my first day at Red Tree Hills Middle School, and me and my best friend Jade both had Miss Chalk as our English teacher. Miss Chalk wasn't horrible or anything, but people said she had a major problem with girls with braces. No, I did too. They, you know, they always tugged on my fucking pubes <laughs> when they were mouth <laughs> when they were Mr. Widemouth on my dick. <laughs> it wasn't the braces though. They were actually just kind of reaching forward and grabbing <laughs> at the pubes, <laughs> and she's just like, "Ah, oh, my fucking pubes! Stop! Stop!" <laughs> oh. Major problem, girls with braces. So on a Monday in March, I got braces. <laughs> despite that bitch. <laughs> I was... <laughs> so, so on a Monday in March, I got braces. Fuck Mrs. Shaw. I wasn't worried, but I should have been. As soon as I got to school the next day, a girl named Samantha, fuck that bitch, walked up to me and told me that Miss Chuck was going to do something bad to me. I should have listened, but I didn't. So I walked into class, and Miss Chalk stared at me with a stare so great I could have fainted. She turned around and melted. Seriously, she melted. Every troll fastest could end with that. What the fuck was the, what the fuck was the point of that story? Oh no! Like, she didn't like braces so much she melted. What's the bad point about the braces? Yeah, I have no fucking clue. She melted. Get it? No. Whatever. <laughs> oh man. Oh god. Oops. Just the fact that it's titled that has me worried. This troll boss is called the first page. Once there was a boy who loved to read. 
He read everything he could get his hands on and loved going to his favorite bookstore. One day, the boy realized he had read everything the store had to offer. He confronted the owner and asked him if he had anything the boy had not ever checked out. The owner said, why yes I do, and pulled out a book called DEATH. He gladly sold it to the boy at a discounted price of $50. Yeah, it's a nice discount. However, he warned the boy never to read the front page. Well, the boy returned to his house and read the book, and he was content. However, he always wondered what could be on that front page. It was always in the back of his mind. One day, the temptation was too much for the boy, and he flipped to the very front of the book and dropped the book in horror. There, in bold print, was MSRP, $6.99. <laughs> fucking got him! I, I don't even call this troll pass. That's that just was, accurate. That was really good. That was the most horrifying story I've ever read. Honestly, he got fucking burgled. Like, wow, that actually is hilarious. That's a dark fucking twist, man. That's that's consumerism at its, at its best. I do not call that troll. <laughs> That's not troll. <laughs> I mean, the the book owner was kind of a troll. The, oh, yeah, the store no, owner. A dick. Go fuck him. Oh god. <laughs> like I don't know if it's Hawaii fifty or Hawaii five. <laughs> it's Hawaii fifty. Hawaii fifty. Okay. Um. Like I didn't even have to agree to this. So Hawaii fifty. One day I was home alone. My parents had just bought a new house. I was watching TV and all of a sudden I heard. <laughs> You thought a skeleton popped out, didn't you? You thought all of a sudden no, a skeleton popped out. The one I thought was going to be like, I was watching Hawaii Five-O. I heard Hawaii Fifty. <laughs> I heard a ghost walking through my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, they sound real loud. I'm not sure if you've ever heard a ghost before. I quickly rolled under the couch as I looked behind me. I saw the seg- saw the said ghost. I got from under the couch and I ran into my room and I slammed my door. I picked up my cell phone and called nine one one. When I didn't know was another ghost was under my bed breathing very hard. <laughs> I talked to Elise Aubrey he said I will be there in three, two, one. When he busted the door open, the ghosts were chasing me around the house. One of them bit my leg off and I screamed in horror. The police officer got his gun out and shot all the evil ghosts. Next morning to appear I can't I can't wait. My parents came back from Vacation in Hawaii. They gave me the look as if I threw a house party. I shrugged my shoulders in discomfort. He's missing his fucking leg. <laughs> they looked at my entries and took me to the hospital. On the way there, I told them the whole story. A few weeks later, my family and I moved out of the ghostly house and into a safe apartment. It doesn't even get more than that. Hawaii 50. <laughs> oh my fucking god. That was... Had nothing to do with Hawaii 5 that, that was hilarious. This is really bad. But, like... Really bad, hilarious. Ooh. There's one I'm. So I, I've been saving one for you. I need you can't you can't look at it when I read it. I need you to react to this as like honest as you possibly can, because it's this is honestly one of my favorite troll pastas I've ever read before. <laughs> Here it is. This one's called a fresh start okay. troll pasta. Somewhere in West Philadelphia. You will find an old basketball court with a single ball lying in the middle. Pick it up and start shooting hoops. <laughs> After a while, a small group of hooligans will approach you and challenge you to a fight, which you must accept. After the fight, 
you must go home and relay the events to your mother. She will then inform you that you have an aunt and uncle living in one of the districts of Los Angeles, and out of fear, she will send you to live there for an indefinite period of time. With your bags packed, go to the street corner and whistle for a cab. The cab will then pull up and will bear the words fresh on the license plate, and upon closer inspection, novelty fuzzy dice will hang in the mirror. Although, you will suddenly realize that cabs like these are extremely hard to find. Do not bear any thought to it. At this point, you must point out in front of the car and say, Yo, Holmes, to Bel Air. You will stop in front of a mansion, and it will be sometime between 7 and 8 o'clock, even though it will... it will feel like you have been traveling for mere seconds. Get your luggage out and say, Yo, home, smell you later. But do not turn back to face the cabbie. Walk up to the door, look over your shoulder once, and then knock on the door three times. If you follow these instructions, your life will get flipped, turned upside down. How'd you feel about that one? Oh, I'm sorry. I did that wrong here. All right. <laughs> here, give me a second. <laughs> no. Sound like Alan. Fucking hate it. Fucking hate. So that was a fresh start. Uh. Uh. All right. So this is the last story we're going to be reading on lots of pasta, presented by Rick. All right. <clears throat> Who was conversing with me on the cellular telephone? Uh, this is the only time I'm going to give you a suggestion to read the story like this, but I know you can do this voice. Who was conversing with me on the cellular telephone? Alright, here we go. Let's take a shot at this. <clears throat> I was sharing a passionate kiss with my romantic interest when my cellular phone alerted me that someone wished to converse with me. The man on the phone inquired as to what I was engaging in with his daughter. Assuming this man was my romantic interest father, I explained the conversation I had to her. She informed me that her father was deceased. That is when I thought to myself, if her father is dead, who was conversing with me on the cellular phone? And then a human skeletal structure appeared. <laughs> <laughs> then who was fun? Then who was on the cellular phone? Who was phone? Oh, oh man! This is a skeletal structure appeared, and then a skeletal structure appeared. <laughs> oh, oh! How do you feel about that? Oh my god! Who was conversing with me on the cellular phone? Well, I'm hoping there's a third version that comes out. No, it's the only two I found. God, there's gonna be a third one. And it's gonna. Oh no! I told you about the third one that I'm gonna do. Oh, I'm gonna write like a 20-page story, and it's gonna end with you and your honey making out, and then the phone's gonna ring, and you're gonna be like, "Who is phone?" Who's phone? I'm not gonna let you know when it's coming, though. I'll save it for you, though. Okay. It'll be a it really long. It'll be a really long story, and we're really gonna hate getting through it. But you know, it's the ending. Be will the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be the entire episode. Literally just that story. Leading up to a who was phone joke, and I've been I've been saying it in both of our episodes so far, so like it's not gonna be a surprise anymore. All right, so that was uh, that was lots of pasta here with uh, Terry the Tickler, aka Rick, aka Jack Reach Around, aka Little Debbie's Mini Bite Muffins. <laughs> yeah, that should be your name next time. 
I'm trying to think of uh, from that movie. Oh, Carl. Carl. With a K. Is there anything you want to lead out this uh, this episode with? So, tonight, I purchased the beverage known as Mutant. Uh, we do not endorse it in any way. We do not want any form of ad revenue from Monster. We just want to say, literally, we do not endorse it. Don't even drink it. It's fucking garbage. Mutant Super Soda. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna read what it says. Super. It, it tastes like Vault. You know, Coca Cola's like Mountain Dew thing. And Baja Blast Mountain Dew had sex, and they threw the baby in a dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. You might as well throw some creepy. This is a, this, this soda might as well just be a creepy pasta. <laughs> Drinking too much mutant. There is nothing soft about this drink. Mutant is a defiant new breed with an attitude all its own. It's the evolution of sparkling refreshment, the perfect balance of drinkability and energizing flavor. Refreshment energized! I'm late. Never again.